Thanks for listening to the Declaration Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor J.D. Umber. For more information and other resources, visit declaration.info. Um, so buckle up, Buttercup, because it's going to be a fast ride. Our, our benevolent pastor, good Dr. Reverend Bishop John Sherrill, is seasoned at this, speaking with adults business. I was in youth ministry for about 14 years. So I go fast and I go funny, and that's just the way we roll, okay? <laughs> I will tell you now, I have two goals for every person in this room. Number one, I want to make you frustrated. <laughs> Corey, they think I'm joking. <laughs> I want to make you frustrated because that'll mean that you're uncomfortable and that'll mean you have to think about something. And number two, I want to make you excited. Those are my two goals. I want to make you uncomfortable about something and I want to make you excited about the same very thing. You'll see what I mean. (laughs) All right. We've been going over Galatians 3, right? And last week we went over verses 1 through 14 and we're going to do a quick recap to bring everybody back up to speed. So, let's check this out. Galatians 3, verses 1 and 2, it pretty much says this. Hey, uh, Galatians, hi babies, um, who has fooled you in believing these lies? Who, is, who has fooled you into rethinking all of this stuff that I've already taught you? Basic. All right, then we go on to verses 3 through 5, and Paul says, okay, so you're believing something different that I didn't give you. Who's fooled you? But... Are you really going to trade the spirit to go back to the law? I mean, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. He's done it. Are you really going to trade in the brand new 2018 Lamborghini for like the 1984 Ford Pinto? Are you you really going to trade in the spirit back for the law? And then verses 6 through 9, he said, look. Here's the deal. We can can do all the wonderful things we want to do, but when you get down to the bottom line, to be right with God or to be righteous, because that's what righteousness means, is to be right with God, it's faith alone, period. You might not agree with it, but that's on you, not on Jesus. He set up the system and he said faith alone. So to be right with God, faith alone, period. And then he goes on in verses 10 through 13, he says, now look, I know some of y'all are struggling with this whole, like, do we do the law thing and Jesus thing? You know, you got to become a Jew after you become a Christian and all this craziness. And Paul tells him in verses 10 through 13, he said, look, (laughs) you got to understand something. To follow the law, any part of the law, you got to do all of the law. You don't get to pick and choose which ones you do and which ones you don't. Paul says, look, if you're going to trade in the spirit for the law, please understand what you're saying. It is an all or nothing. And if you fail at one part, you're doomed. And then he goes on in verses 14 and he says, look, here's the deal. (laughs) And this was hard to write in a sentence, but English teachers, forgive me. He pretty much tells them, he says, look, It's Christ only. And Christ came through Abraham because Abraham was the guy that God promised. But he promised it to the entire world and that includes the Gentiles. Yay, us non-Jew people. Woo! (laughs) 
You need to be a little more excited about that unless you're not Jewish. That's kind of a big deal. I, any, is anybody a Messianic Jew in here? Anybody? Seriously, I'm, I'm, yay. I mean, y'all are awesome. Okay, then we all need to be way more excited about that little scripture, okay? Some of y'all are like, oh, that's me. Okay, yes, that's you. <laughs> and he says, look, it's not just to the Jews, but it's to Gentiles too. And he says, look, it's by faith alone. If you're a teacher or have been a teacher, stand up. I'm, I'm, I like to be like, like we do things together. I know you're like, oh my God, this is totally not what you do in big church with adults. Do we feel the pain of Paul right now? Teachers, do we feel? It's like babies, it's by faith alone. What about the law? It's by faith alone. What about the law? It's by faith alone. Teachers, we hear him, don't we? You can sit down, thank you. I, I'm not joking, am I? I mean, you stood up, sweetheart. I'm not joking, am I? We, it's like, oh, I can't hit the children, and the brick wall would hurt. Oh, I say it louder. Like, but that's true, though. So I, I, I Paul's like, oh, babies. Oh. But then, as he continues on in these verses that we're fixing to cover, you're going to hear these themes come back up. No, we're not going to camp there for long because, well, you're smart. You've heard it before. John did a thorough job. The Spirit wants you to know it. I'm just going to touch on it, and then I'm going to move to the new thing that he talks about that he hasn't covered yet. You see, let's look at, all right, so the first one, we look at Galatians 3. We're going to look at verse 15, and it says this. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only by a man's covenant... Yet it has been ratified. No one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now, we're going to come back to this. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the next slide. I thought those were the ones that are mixed up in it. And then we look at this. Uh, yes. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather one. And to your seed, that is Christ. What I'm saying about this is the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For the inheritance is based on law. It is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? It's added because of the transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law has been given which is able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scriptures have shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Oh, you were fast on that one. I didn't even get to... Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by... Everyone say the F word. Back up. Everyone say the F word with me. Faith. 
a lifestyle. <laughs> I got you. But now <laughs> that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. Heirs according to a promise. Now, I apologize, and I know that if you go to most churches, usually people don't read the long parts of Scripture because, you know, statistics and all that business say, well, people get bored and ADD and all that stuff. But I'm a firm believer that I think you should read the whole passage in context. And it's kind of like a warning bell. If you get bored when the pastor's reading the whole passage, grow in Jesus. Now, sweetheart people, a lot of times when I say tacky statements like that, I'm not talking to everyone in the room. I'm talking to the people that know better. You know what I mean? If you accepted Jesus like last week, you're like, that was so long. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people that at least know Jesus for over 10 years. I had a, this is a side note, I had a, a, a speaker one time say that I, you should have as many scriptures memorized at least as the years that you've been saved. And I was like, oh, I got to get to work. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so let's walk through these real quick. And I'm just going to, and I told you before, we had already touched on these, haven't we, like so many times. So here's what we're looking at. When we look at verse 15, we'll come back to this one. We're going to come back to that one last. So let's look at 16. The promises spoken to Abraham. Here's what you need to know about this verse. The promise is only through Christ. Jesus is still working on me. I've known him since I was nine. The people, no, the Christians, or the people that claim to know Christ, that talk about that there is any other way than Jesus, I want to run them over with my car. I'm being real. Because I'm sitting there and I'm going, how much clearer do you need than what the Bible says? Christ is the only way. All right, I was fixing to double barrel it on you, girl. I was. <laughs> Guys, John 14, 6, which just happens to be the official scripture of Houston Baptist University. Go Huskies. Jesus himself said it. Guys, he said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's not the church being heavy. That's not us being mean. Jesus made the world. He made the clubhouse. He gets to let you in on his way. Why do we have a problem with that? I mean, think about it. If God is like the builder of the eternal clubhouse, doesn't the builder of the clubhouse get to know how you get in the clubhouse, you come in through one ladder, right? And you got to know the secret knock, right? You don't get to climb in through the window. You get pushed out. 
Like, it's like little rascals with the she-man woman haters club kind of thing. There's only one way to get in. And I, I just, I just, to me, I'm like, when people are like, well, a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. You want to know why? Because he told everybody, one ladder, come on, one ladder right here. It's not hidden, not secret, one ladder. His name's Jesus. Come on up. Secret passage, word, Jesus. <laughs> He's not being secretive with the world. It's clear. <laughs> Jesus. I just don't believe that. Well, you can be wrong and get pushed out of the window. I, I apologize if some of y'all are like, well, that's a little too much for me. I just, I don't get it when we make it too complicated, Kelly. I don't get that. I'm like, if you look, the people that make Jesus are like, oh, I'm very, I'm very intelligent. I have, I have these letters behind my name, and I'm very smart in the, the theology. I'm like, Pfft. it doesn't have to be that way. It's real easy. Let me, let me, let me put it back. It's simple, not easy. It's simple. Trust me, if, if Jesus made it to where I could figure it out, everybody's good. <laughs> Let's look at verse 17. You see, when we look at this, there's something we need to know. The law does not conflict with Christ. You see, the law does not conflict with Christ. They're not at odds with one another. That's why Christ said, I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. I mean, hello, the author of the book does not conflict with the book. Simple. Let's move on. Verse 18. Now, our inheritance that we're promised by Abraham, our inheritance comes through Christ. That's simple. It's that thing that Paul said over and over again. Let's move on to 19. Now, this one is interesting. Because a lot of people say, well, why, why the, what's the law then? What, why? I mean, why all that stuff and all those rules and all those things and all this and that? Well, it's simple. The law came... To magnify. When I was studying this and praying about this and trying to, you know, just kind of thinking and asking God, you know, he gave me the picture of a magnifying glass. That's all the law is. The law is just one big magnifying glass. It magnifies sin and then it magnifies the Savior. Well, if you look at it like that, it's like, oh, well, why the law? Because we needed something to magnify our sin and magnify our need for the Savior. Do you understand how a magnifying glass can't save you now? But let's move on. Verse 20. <laughs> now a mediator is not for one party only. Well, this is simple. Christ is our mediator. Christ is, is standing there going, okay, I'm, I'm mediating between God and humanity. Well, that's easy. We're not going to spend much time on that one. Verse 21. Guys, the law does not, cannot, and will not give righteousness. It can't. It's just a magnifying glass. Think about that for a minute. 
Guys, the demons of hell know scriptures better than we do. Do they have righteousness? No. Anybody ever had that little gray-haired grandma that God loved her? She would be on church on Sunday mornings, but mean as a rattlesnake on the week. But she knew that King James Bible. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. She might be sitting on the same row as you. Don't raise your hands. Look, let's be real clear. The law does not give righteousness. The law can teach you and magnify lessons, but the law cannot give you that lesson. Let's go on to verse 22. (laughs) The law gives the Redeemer. You see, if we didn't have the law to tell us how jacked up we were and to tell us who Abraham was and to tell us of the covenant, the law is the one that magnifies the Redeemer. It says, hey, there he is. All right, let's go on to verse 23. The law kept people in custody. Because here's the deal, think about it. If the law magnifies what sin is and shows you what sin is and shows you that you have it, uh uh-oh, you're guilty. (laughs) You know what I mean? Miss Joanna, your children, my children, the little ones, when they learn right from wrong, they get that look in their face like, oh, crap, don't they? Don't, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. That's all, it's magnifying what sin is and how we have it and how we can't do away with it. I've often asked people when they talk about it, they, they just don't understand how Jesus' blood can, can forgive sin. I'm sitting there going, well, but how do good works forgive? I mean, think about it. Sarah, how much good is a lie worth? What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the equivalent currency? 42 homeless people? I mean, like, that's, that's one of my issues with systems in the world where it's like, my good needs to outweigh my bad, but how much does your bad cost? If you drop an F-bomb in traffic, how much good does that have to be? There's no system. Think of it. I'm, and I, I know, crazy man up here, circus monkey. But, but catch that point. If you've, ever, if you've ever considered the idea of the good versus the bad, the, the scale, the, and there's many, many religions in the world that believe that, how much good is one night of adultery worth? You don't know. That's my, I'm like, look, I'm a very black and white person. You want me to believe in that system? Groovy. If if I cheat on my taxes, how many homeless people do I need to feed to make that tax fraud go away? But there's, that doesn't make sense to me. We don't know. So, uh, you know. All right, let's move on. Verse 24. Oh, teachers. Feel me again, we're going for fourth round. <laughs> we are now justified by, now it shouldn't say not, John, it should say now. <laughs> we are justified. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, save us. All right. Thank you. We are now justified through faith. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Oh. 
Oh, I look in the mirror sometimes, and I'm just like, wow, Jesus. All right. I now know why my mama drank a little. It's true. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. Verse 25. We no longer need the law, guys. We no longer need the law. Hear me when I say that does not mean that you get to go and throw the Bible out. Newscast, Christian, you're still responsible for knowing what the, Deuteron what the book of Deuteronomy is about. You are still responsible for knowing what fasting is. You don't get a freebie day off. Just because we don't receive righteousness through the law, you still need to pick up the law magnifying glass and read the book and know the book. That way we don't think, oh my gosh, God has left me. Well, no, he hasn't. The Bible says that you're in him and he's in you and you're both in God the Father. Well, how can you get out of a God sandwich? But I don't feel like, ah, but if you pick up the magnifying glass and read the book, you'd see how the enemy is the deceiver, and the first thing he loves to manipulate is my feelings. That's a side note. Next, verse 26. <laughs> oh, now we're getting into gravy right now. Like cream gravy with the pet, oh, the good stuff. For you are all sons of God. Ladies, you can put daughters in there if you need to. All right. We are all children through Christ. Let's move on. Verse 27. Well, we're all part of Christ. We're in him. Remember what I said before about, but I feel like I'm so alone and God's, God's abandoned me and he's not with me. How? Look at what it says. You're in him. Does the God of the cosmos forget? Well, no. You're not alone. That's a lie. It's a lie that the enemy's told you. Unfortunately, you believed it, but you'll never be alone. Period. Done. It's over. Get over it. Exchange the lie for truth. You will never, ever, ever be alone. What was the song that we sang earlier? You're never going to let me down. Guess what? He's never going to leave you. He said that. Over and over and over again. Now, your fellowship might be damaged right now because, well, you might have done something that you shouldn't have, and it's kind of like, okay, look, I love you. Parent, you ever, you ever had a tiff with your kid and y'all don't talk, but you're sitting in the same room? The parent hasn't abandoned the child, right? Okay. Apply. Apply. <laughs> All right, verse 28. One more time, teachers, you're feeling me. Paul says, guess what? We are all one in Christ. There's not a man section and a woman section. There's not a slave and a free man section. There's not a Jew and a Gentile section. We're all one. Now, don't go overly hippie on me about this. And Oh, my God, it's just we're all in one and we can all do it. No, calm down. Read the book. That's all I'm going to say. See, I, I teed that one for you. <laughs> there you go. Verse 29. <laughs> oh, yeah. See if you hear something different. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's descendant, heirs according to the promise. If you are in Christ, then you are heirs. Now, that's a real odd word for us Americans. Where's Miss Louise? Yeah, I see her smiling back there. My Scottish homegirl right back there. She understands that word, don't you, baby? Heir. Oh, yes, she does. Us Americans... Us democracy, republic Americans, we don't get that word very much. 
But if you've ever lived under a monarchy, oh yeah, heir to the throne. And let me tell you something. Let me blow your mind wide open real quick. (laughs) When it says heir, it's not just talking about, yay, I get salvation and I get to go to heaven. When? Not at all. You see, you got to understand it's not just about getting into heaven. The Lord God Almighty has given you a new identity in Christ. We've heard that before, haven't we? New creation. The old is gone, the new has come, etc., 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 right? Buried with baptism, raised to all the, all the, the me and Jesus are, are together. Yes, but do you understand that he's a king? That's not figurative, ladies and gentlemen. You do realize monarchy is the oldest form of government on the planet, right? That's nothing new. You want to know why? Because that's the way he runs heaven. (laughs) Think about that. The crowns, the robes. Have you ever read Isaiah? Isaiah 6. Oh, now we're getting into it. Isaiah 6, verse 1, if you have your Bible, turn to it. Or if you're taking notes, just write it down. Isaiah 6, but you know this. (laughs) In the year of the king Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. A throne? Not a chair, not a couch. A throne. Lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe... A robe, a robe, filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him. Guys, there's so many scriptures that talk about the Lord upon his throne, his robe, his crown. We will get crowns. We will get crowns of life, crowns of righteousness. In Revelation, all the people in heaven that have crowns, throw them at the Lord's feet. Let me give you a helper pointer. Don't think it's philosophical or symbolic. You have an actual real crown waiting on you sitting on a shelf in heaven. But don't get excited yet. Because see, here's the deal. Some of our crowns are going to be very awesome because we're living our lives and earning some jewels on there because all we're going to do is give it back to Jesus, right? Some of us are going to have simple gold bands. <laughs> Crowns, a crowns, a crowns, a crown, right? But I want you to understand something, guys. And you go, look, pastor, you're reading a lot into one scripture. Am I? Am I? Let's go forward. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, verse 5, so that he might redeem those who are under the law. Sound familiar? So that we might receive the adoption as sons. Next. Because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Next. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If your daddy ain't royalty, neither are you. But flip it. If your daddy is, you are too. 
not talking philosophically. I mean sitting right where you are. You are a prince or princess of heaven. Ladies, you want to know why you struggle so much with your beauty? Because the king of the universe designed for you to shine for him. The enemy attacks you in every way. Men, you want to know why movies like Braveheart or Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan or Lord of the Rings? You want to know why those movies hit us? Because in our DNA, we are knights. We are warriors. We are princes of heaven. We follow our older brother who is our general into war. That's not philosophical. That's not symbolic. That's real. Mike Rollins is not a Christian carpenter extraordinaire. He is a prince of heaven who is sitting in the role of a carpenter extraordinaire. He is an ambassador of the kingdom. I mean, look, let's go. Go. James 2 talks about it. Uh, let's see. Heirs of the kingdom. Next. Romans 4.13. Descendants that he would be the heir of the world. Next. Not by the law, but by faith. Go. Go. Sons of God. Next. Not a spirit of slavery, but adoption. Next. The Spirit himself testifies that we're children of God. Next. If children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Do you actually know that there's scripture that talks about that you will judge the world with Christ? Did you know that? There are actual scriptures in the Bible that says Jesus wants you sitting beside him, helping him judge the world? Now, not the, not the like, well, that's a nice dress. Did they not have that in your thighs? Not that kind of judgment. <laughs> not that kind of judgment. Not that kind of judgment. I mean, did you know that there are scriptures in the Bible that says that we will rule with him? This is not symbolic. Last one. I'm, I'm tying it up. Ladies and gentlemen, 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us we are ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? You are the person that goes to another country to represent your government. This is not our home. This is not our home. I feel so alone down here. Well, you're not alone. The king's with you. Get over it and now do the work of the Lord. I know I get it. I've had parents get divorced. I had a mom that was an alcoholic. I get broken life. Trust me, I get broken life. But I feel like the king is sitting there so gently going, baby, suck it up. I have bigger plans for you. A lot of us say, but, I, but, but pastor, I feel like I'm in a, I, I, I feel like my ship, I feel like I've lost the anchor, and I feel like the sails have been ripped off, and I feel like I'm just holding on for dear life. Well, you are, baby, because what you don't realize is the Lord's trying to turn your boat into a submarine, and you won't let go. 
It's not hard. He just says, look, baby, you're mine. I got this. I keep Jupiter spinning. You're okay. (laughs) But my marriage, do you realize the king loves your marriage more than you do? Do you realize that the marriage institution the Lord set forth on this planet was to mirror the gospel? Trust me, he's a bigger fan of your marriage than you ever will be. And trust me, he's way more invested in it than you ever thought about being. Do you think he wants it to fail? No. No. Guys, ambassadors, put the picture of the Duchess up there. Please, ma'am. Now, one of my guilty pleasures that I will confess is I'm obsessed with royalty. Not just, I'm not like, oh my God, the royal family. No, 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 like for for thousands of years, I love studying it. I love love this thing. I love this lady because she just seems so cool. (laughs) But here's what I want you to do. This This is Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge. She is the wife of Prince William. You know, yay. All right, so when you see a picture of her or even William, what words? come to mind, I want you to say them out loud. Classy, beautiful, I heard elegant, poised, beautiful, gentle, royalty. What'd you say? Obligated. What did you say? Guys, do you realize that I should be able to put a picture of you up there if you claim Christ and those same words could be said about you because you're ambassadors? Look, you're an ambassador wherever you go. You go to the beer joint, you're still an ambassador. You tip the waitress, change, you're still an ambassador. You're just making the king look bad. I'm serious. Look, guys, ladies, I love y'all. You don't dress hoochie with shorts up to your tonsils because it's going to earn you salvation. Oh, uh, don't even get me started because I've seen some of those shorts walk in here. Hold on. I ain't getting legalistic. Watch this. See what I'm going to do. You ready? You ready? You don't not wear hoochie shorts because it earns your salvation. You don't not wear hoochie shorts because it earns you right fellowship with God. You don't wear hoochie shorts because it makes the king look bad. That's not hard. One of my crowning moments, I'm closing. One of my crowning moments, I said that like 10 minutes ago. Sorry, Carol. One of my crowning moments as a dad, oh, praise the Lord for this guy. You ask my daughter and she knows she has a crown in heaven, a real one. But I told her that her entire life. Everett knows he is a warrior knight. He has an obligation to the king. My daughter knows that she is an heir, princess, with an obligation to the king. He gave his life, she gives hers. But my proudest moment as a dad, she was like three, maybe four, and she said, Dad, do I? I mean, I know you say I'm a princess, and that's cool, because I know I'm like your princess, but she said, Dad, do I really have a crown in heaven, like a real one? I said, baby, you do, and it's beautiful, and you're going to give it to Jesus one day. And the idea that it wasn't something in a storybook, it wasn't a fairy tale, it was a real thing that she could wrap her mind around. 
that she is a princess of heaven. She is noble. That was the best day as a dad I've had so far because she got it and the enemy couldn't take it away. You have two choices. As we conclude, you have two choices. You can either walk out of here going, wow, that was a cute sermon. He did such a great job and walk out of here and not think about it again. And my heart weeps if that's your choice. Your other choice is to understand that you are a royal ambassador with dignity and nobility and honor. You are special, not because of your blood, but because of the king's blood. You didn't earn it. That's what makes it so cool. He gave it to you. Every step you take, every place you go, Every child you raise, you must convey that you are a prince or princess of heaven. You're noble. You're special. Quit thinking you're trash. Your husband doesn't think you're trash. He thinks he's trash. That's why he's treating you that way. Let's be honest. Let's put the enemy outside with the dog and let's get to it. Thanks for listening to the Declaration Church podcast. We pray many blessings over you and your journey as you declare him to the nations. For more podcasts and teaching, visit declaration.org slash podcast.